Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7. You've heard me say it before, and you'll hear me say it 24-7. Where? At www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com. The two links, you know about them. The first being our podcast link. This show, the one you're listening to, will be the first one at the top of that list. It's a list of about, oh, I guess 45 or 50 uh, shows. It is a one-on, one-off. As a new show comes on, the last show on the list is eliminated. There's always about 50 there for anyone wanting to get a sense of the the uh, progression of thought that we utilize uh, here on the show and, and how we've kind of come about our views and what we're interested in, you know, all that. The second link is the Radio Loop link, and that's the one that allows you to plug into the show. Well, you, in sort of an analogish way, but it's still using a digital mechanism. You hit the link, pick up the show wherever it is in the loop, which is sort of a radio-ish way of approaching it. Listen in, get into it, probably get to the end and say, geez, I wonder how that all started off. Well, all you have to do is wait about three or four seconds and you'll find out. The show repeats. It's in a loop. Either way, we're glad to have you with us. Or if you care to join us by finding us wherever you find your podcasts. In that case, look for Center Left Radio. There is, depending on how you want to look at this, either a ridiculously large amount of stuff to think and talk about and dissect and work through, or a remarkably limited amount of stuff to go through. I'm going to approach today, I'm going to approach it from the latter point. I I know that uh, media... Uh, all over, uh, and I'm sure this is true of podcasts, it's certainly true of cable, it's true of, of broadcast news, It's every, everybody is perpetually opining and rethinking and, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, trying to give both motivation and, 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 and probable outcome and predict the final results of what I don't know, you call anything from a rebellion to a, uh, to, a, uh, to a revolt to whatever happened in Russia over the weekend. And there seems to be no reasonable way just yet to declare exactly what the meaning of it is. So I'm, I'm not going to even try at this point. I am going to basically do the unthinkable for a commentator and say, I just am not going to commentate. There is more that needs to play out before it would make sense or be even reasonable. In my perspective, 
to talk about what happened in Russia over the, the weekend. Prigozhin making it halfway up to Moscow, up the M4 highway uh, from, uh, from Rostov in the south down near the Ukrainian border, uh, taking the Wagner troops straight up the highway, just uh, halfway there or better than halfway there, uh, hearing that there's been a deal brokered between him and Putin by the Belarusian president, uh, goes off the highway, winds up, no one knows exactly where, uh, possibly in Belarus right now, was initially threatened with death and destruction and everything else that one would normally expect to accompany uh, something like an armed rebellion, or this is what it looked like, or was it basically just an attention-grabbing situation, or was Briogen, was he basically in a bad situation to begin with, and it was a final play, knowing this was him negotiating for the best possible, who, who knows just now not I I don't know what it means internally in Russia. I don't know what it means for the progress of the war. There are all of those thousands of, of others who are out there commenting and thinking and deciding or uh, uh, pining on whether or not uh, Ukraine will be able to take advantage of this militarily as it continues with its spring-summer counteroffensive, if this is going to affect the morale of Russian troops. What will happen to the Wagner group? Will they wind up either going to Belarus or maybe being absorbed back into the Russian regular army? Are they better trained? Are they better equipped? Is there real tension between them and regular Russian troops? Were they actually attacked by Russian troops? What the hell is going? I don't know. But you're hearing every conceivable uh, opinion and thought about it. The one thing that I think we all can say for sure is that the notion that Putin has the country under lock and key and totally under his control uh, has been, uh, I'd say, shattered as a, as, a, as a fairly reasonable term to use. This is not a fully under control situation, not when a mercenary group suddenly comes racing up a major highway and makes it halfway between a city that they've taken over, a city that supplies all command and control uh, for the Ukrainian uh, incursion war uh, and basically uh, makes its way towards Moscow and suddenly stops making its way. I, I, why? <clears throat> what are all the background stories? Uh, there's just too much to speculate on to come up with any kind of an absolute statement. And I think we should stop it right there because undoubtedly, undoubtedly, more will come up. So I'm hoping by the time we do our Friday show with David this coming Friday, uh, there'll be more to talk about and <clears throat> a bit more context and, and hopefully some more uh, confirmed facts on the ground about what happened with Russia. On the other hand, what we can confirm, and what I, what I feel very comfortable confirming at this point, is the real nature of Donald's support. Now, that may sound a little silly at this point. I mean, really, oh, his nature of his support. He, he's got the base. They're all red meat eaters. He knows how to throw red meat at them, and they eat it, and that's it. That's not what I'm talking about here. 
I, I believe it would be safe to say that Donald Trump's support within his base is not a support that is given to someone who they absolutely, who his supporters absolutely demand and need and must have as president. It, it, it's not that. It's about his leadership. It's about his presence. It's about his capacity to, to, to give them license for the grievances they share. And if, in fact, Donald could do that and do it in, in some level of perpetuity without actually having to be a president of the United States again, I, I would suggest that his followers would accept that. If he could somehow still be in a position of authority, in fact, if he could be in a position of perpetual opposition and constantly giving them vent to their grievances and constantly avoiding prosecution and ultimately conviction, then I would think that emotionally that would be a safer, if that word is even applicable here, but a just as preferable situation for the really core Trump supporters. Is, is what they are supporting the notion of him being president again or having Donald there for them to offer emotional succor and solace? I would posit that it's the latter, that this has become an emotional situation basically dis dis disconnected from the, from the uh, standardized rewards that would come with a presidency or anything else. If anything, another Donald presidency would force him into a position of being less of an emotional support to them. He, I would argue, has become more emotional and grievance-based and able to elicit and, and, and suggest every conspiracy and everything else. He, he has been freed in his post-presidency and is able to say and suggest and do things that he would not and could not have said even during his pregnancy, a pregnancy, ha! <laughs> I'm leaving that in, presidency. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a liberating proposition for this level of insanity. And, and, and it's allowed simply because he is in this existential position of total victimhood. It is the ultimate statement of what Donald has always proposed about himself. You see, you see, I am the ultimate victim. You see, you see, I'm doing it all for you. My victimhood is your victimhood. My indictment, and he said this yesterday, is really the only thing, I'm, I'm indicted for you. I have been indicted for you. This is, this is almost religious sim symbolism. 
It is, it is almost the sacrificial lamb. We're getting into that realm. We're getting into Judeo-Christian verbiage at this point. And you can't really do that as well from the perspective of sitting in the White House. I, I, and I, I don't think anyone's really thinking about this, that to go back into the White House would basically stifle the level of, of grievance that Donald has. He would have to, he would have to basically <clears throat> tone down some of what he's saying and doing right now. His followers would have to basically deal with a reduced level of grievance, which is necessary just to function day by day in the White House. You can't rail against the, the others when you are the president, at least not to the extent that you might otherwise do when you are on the outside accusing everybody of taking everything from you. Once you've gotten it back, or one, well, your, your capacity to seek grievance over it disappears. Yes, your capacity to seek retribution is another matter entirely. But at some point, the people who are with you can't really express their grievance level when you've had yours satisfied. I, I, I know that that sounds like a, a, a rather outlierish sort of thought at this point in time. But I think it's one worth considering. And, and the reason Donald is so grievance-able and so communicable on a grievance level is because he is, as, as he chooses to describe it, and, and as many criminal boss defendants would choose to describe it, although they would be doing it against their lawyer's advice, and Donald doesn't take advice, as we know. They are the victim of prosecutions. As more and more of these, uh, as more indictments come down, and there'll be at least two more in the not far distant future, Donald simply gets to say, look, they're throwing it all at me, but he has to add, but it won't stick. You see, it, the, the, the whole point of his grievancing is that we will overcome it. Up to now, it's been, I have gone for seven years now or eight years, however long it's been, and everybody is constantly saying they'll get me, they'll get me, but they don't. That will all change when the first conviction and sentencing comes down. Now, there'll be a choice to be made at that point. No, we can't accept it. No, it can't be. We will now, we will have to, what? We'll have to um, uh, raid the, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. Who, who will do what to change Donald's conviction. There's this, there's this whack-a-mole stupidity that's going through the House right now. This was, this was brought up, and, and Kevin McCarthy mentioned this just before the House went on its extended Fourth of July recess. We are going to try to, we will attempt to void, we will, avo we will void the two impeachments of Donald Trump. That's going nowhere. Of course not. But, but that, would be, that would be what would be necessary 
at that point. There would have to be an instant and automatic capacity or in the, in the, in the, to fulfill the ongoing grievance need there would have to be an immediate way to undo the sentence. There would, the, the, obvious, the obvious demand would be, well, now we've got to elect the guy because that's the only way that we're going to get him off the hook. Then we could undo this. But you see, the moment that a conviction is in and a sentencing takes place, the the structure around Donald and his capacity to basically function as a viable candidate is going to change dramatically, radically. He will be unable to basically be out on the campaign trail. This, his, his, assuming that the first, well, assuming that the Mar-a-Lago trial uh, for the documents will actually begin on the four, in January, in December, sorry, of this year, and assuming, as Jack Smith said, there ain't much there, and this thing will be done sometime in January, Donald could be convicted before Valentine's Day in 2024, just as the final voting is taking place among various states in the, lecture, in the election of various, uh, of their candidate. And I know, again, if you sit here from where we are right now, if you look no further than today, this moment, and you say, no matter what happens, my God, look at that, his lead against DeSantis is growing even more, it's bigger and bigger, but, but that means you can't go beyond the snapshot. We've talked about this many times on the show. This, this, we have been forced with, with, the, with the sheer quantity of information that's coming at us constantly. There is this, more than a propensity, there's a compulsion to see the world in snapshots and to try to extrapolate outward based on whatever that very, very finite moment of information and input may be because there's just so much of it. And, and basically, we've been, we've been uh, put into this mindset largely by the differentiation uh, between the parties, largely caused by social media, about the lying that goes on, so that either side finding some, some particular take on a, that day's issue then goes ahead and extrapolates outward and creates a whole world and a whole future based on that issue. And since no one else's facts matter, well, your followers can react emotionally to that extrapolation. Assuming, acting as though there is no real future. The future, 17 months till the election? Do you, do you realize 17 months, there are 17 months until the election, people. Get this in your, what, what, what could happen to Donald in 17 months? You have a bunch of Republicans out there who are titularly running against him. They're all waiting for Jack Smith to do something and save them the trouble of having to run against the base. They're all banking, I don't know, is it 12, 13, 14 other Republicans? The number keeps shifting and growing. 
They're all banking on the fact that there will be a change in public attitude once a conviction comes along or as more indictments come along or as more facts come out. And of course, the other side of that from, from the from the more, let's say, from the more liberal center and left press is, oh my God, he's still increasing his lead on DeSantis. Nothing seems like it's going to change. It's going to be this way forever. This is the only way it can be. Oh, forget those 17 months. Simply extrapolate them away from the moment that we see right now. No! It makes no more sense and is no more valid, it is even less valid, I would argue, to try to conclude what the effect or what today's state of affairs for Donald and the Republican Party will mean in the November 24 election than it makes to try to say exactly what Priogen's, uh, uh, whatever the hell it was he did over the weekend, what exact effect that is going to have in Russia uh, uh, six months from now or 12 months from now. We can't know. We have very smart, intelligent people who will analyze this. We have some very smart political operatives who are looking at all this and figuring out what's going on on the Republican side of things. We have stuff that we're not hearing. There is stuff made for public consumption. We're getting that stuff, but there's a lot more going on. And to make an assumption about where Donald will be and where the election of 2024 will be and how it will play out without taking into account all the other legal activities that will be taking place between now and then is to absolutely just, you're just Spitting in the, I don't know what you're doing. Pick, pick an analogy, but it's meaningless. The far more important thing is to recognize, admit, to say that this is a highly evolving situation and that we're not in a position to make a call about exactly what it means and won't be for a bit. But it is fair to say it ain't looking good for Donald. Donald will make it look good. He will look at, well, there's a, there's a tape that came out uh, today or yesterday on which he says, well, you know, I, I would have I declassified this, but I can't declassify it anymore. He's talking about a document on attacking Iraq that was composed by Mark Milley, General Milley. He's showing it to a bunch of people at Bedminster. It's there. It will be part of the evidence presented at his trial. This man cannot under any circumstances, be trusted with the confidential secret material and information of the United States going forward. There is no way. If you don't imagine that that will be a major component of the campaign going forward, if you don't imagine that that will finally be driven into the heads of people, that there are actually presidential qualifications that must be taken into account when we're voting for a president, among them the capacity to keep your goddamn mouth shut about the secrets of your country, because if you, if you don't, you could get a lot of people killed and hurt and basically put your own country in jeopardy. And anyone without the capacity to do that is not qualified to be president. If you don't think 
that that's going to get out there. And if you don't think that's going to make a difference, you are sorely, sorely mistaken. That I will predict. But it's not getting out there in that form right now. It is a constantly evolving. It, it is about as fluid a situation as you're going to have. Uh, but again, because we have a total uh, bifurcation of factuality in this country, that there are lib facts and there are uh, Trumpian facts, and everybody gets to extrapolate to wherever they want to extrapolate based on that nanoseconds snapshot of the world, not taking into account anything else but what they claim to be the facts, and I'm, I would have to say this is far more a, uh, a mechanism or, or a procedural process uh, attributable to the Republicans than to the Democrats at this point. But because we true commentary is not out there, or commentary that most Americans would accept, the, the old Eric Severide uh, type uh, uh, commentary that, that people would actually listen to, the old, the true CBS type stuff from back in the day, the Cronkite type stuff. Since we no longer have that in this country, we're, out, we're, we're forced into extrapolation. Now, extrapolation is good and necessary uh, for, for predicting corporate performance and, and, and budgeting purposes and things of that nature, and it's a best guess based on available information. But you can't really do the type of extrapolation that's being done politically, certainly by the Republicans, and expect that to hold up for purposes of true planning. Can you plan, would you as a Republican, now think about this, make yourself a Republican. Good luck, I was one once, but in a very, 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 very different political world. Would you as a Republican operative plan on the candidacy of Donald Trump and plan on his election based on what exactly you know at this moment and the fact that he's still saying nasty things about Jack Smith and calling him a thug and, and insulting the FBI and the Justice Department and everyone and everything else. Would you say, well, wow, no one really was able to contradict him on that. They didn't come back and fight him on it. Therefore, we're going to win the election. He's going to be president. And even if he gets convicted, he's going to free himself. Would you make that prediction? Would you plan for the future, based on that and based strictly on what you're seeing today, with 17 months and four separate criminal trials coming up. Well, at least three. And now there's talk that the, the New York case might be moved, the criminal case might even be moved to federal court. Would you actually actually bake it in? Would you absolutely bet the farm on that? No. Of course not. You're not stupid. Now, there are a bunch of people uh, who follow Donald. Do I want to use that word? Do I want to say they're stupid? They're emotionally uh, trapped. They're somehow, uh, they, don't, they don't have a way out of him. He is, he is what they, they have 
they have committed themselves to Donald emotionally. Again, I would say not as a president, but as an emotional, as an emotional touchstone, as, as a grievance uh, uh, talisman, uh, something that can give them uh, both unification and a sense of we're doing this right. We have a former president of the United States and a guy who could well be president again who is validating this level of infantile, self-defeating behavior. Will they never change? Will, is there nothing possible to change their minds? When this is all based on an emotional commitment, when there are no real facts and specifics, when it's all coming from feelings, is there nothing that could happen in 17 months that would change those feelings? Of course there is. There are all sorts of things. So to, to try to say that it absolutely will be in 17 months on election day what we absolutely see to, well, absolutely, there's no absolute, what, what is being extrapolated from the events of today is foolhardy. Don't get trapped in this. Observe. Look. C, understand what's being said, understand why it's being said, understand the reaction of the base, understand the nature of the person saying it, understand the absolutely unfettered emotional state that Donald is in and his willingness to say that as there are 10 blocks of black uh, of black uh, uh, tar piled one on top of the other, those are white. That's, that's white. You see? You see? They, they, they said they were going to put up a black wall, and they put up a white wall because I told them I wanted a white wall, and I got a white wall. Those aren't black. That's the equivalent of what's going on right now. And everybody who is with him is linked to him emotionally because somewhere in their psyche, they know he's a lying son of a bitch. But that's not important. That's not what they need him for. They don't need him for facts. They don't need him for the process of being president. They need him as an authority figure, a highly vaulted and highly exposed person who gives a permission slip to the most infantile of grievance reactions. That's what they need. They don't need him as president. They need his emotional permission. And that can change. That will change. Unavoidable facts, unavoidable reality will have an impact on that emotional commitment. We've yet to see if there is a line that Trump can't cross as far as lying to his people. If there's a point at which the reality of the world, the true objective reality of the universe, and Donald Trump's BS actually crash headlong into one another, and Donald has to basically, Donald gets knocked off the track by reality, that even his people will not be able to somehow overcome the bullshit.
when, how, how much, I don't know. But there are 17 months, people, 17 months between now and the general election. Do not assume that anything is set in stone. Certainly not for Donald. As much as he would prefer to have us believe it, he is a master of manipulation when it comes to this sort of thing. But you have not seen any conviction come down yet. And when the convictions come down with sentencing, the world will change. The, 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 the color, if you think the color of the air changed when the Canadian wildfire smoke came down uh, into the Hudson Valley and other parts of New York State and all over the country a couple of weeks ago, you are going to see an equal and greater change in the air as that begins to happen, as the reality, as the large donors recognize, wait a minute, Son of a bitch is in prison, man, or he's, he's totally restricted in his... Wait a minute. What are we betting on here? What, what does DeSantis look like? Hey, people don't like him, but, but we, we, we got to go somewhere. Uh, Christy? Uh, maybe, uh, who's that guy down in the... Oh, yeah, and they'll start looking. And they'll start looking. And Donald, of course, won't spend his own money on himself. And it's all going to go. Where it'll end up, I'm, I'm not going to predict. I don't believe for a moment that Donald will be reelected president. But that's because I'm trying to be somewhat rational. I, I, I don't know anything more to tell you at this point. If I leave you with any one thought, it's don't make final conclusions about the next election, based on what you are seeing up to this point, there's a long way to go between now and November of 2024. And more than that, I would say, calm down, relax. Don't assume all is death and destruction day by day simply because Donald would have his base and us, everybody, the whole country, react that way. Don't, don't assume it. Relax. Take a deep breath. Imagine being hopeful that rather than the fear and the anxiety, and the lies, and the hatred, and the division, and all the negative things that come from fear that Donald is both emblematic of and a vehicle for promoting, there is actually the reality that hope will always be stronger. Hope is something that we can depend on ultimately prevailing. That hope is what created this country. Hope is what sustained it through its darkest times. We've had plenty. And this is no time to lose it. Relax. Have a nice day. And listen to a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Arguably, and I think reasonably, Donald's value to his people is not by becoming president again. It's by continuing to give them voice to their grievances through affiliating with his emotions. He may be able to do that far better as the perpetual gadfly, as the perpetual raiser of funds against the establishment than ever being president again.